Hi everyone, Chelsea here. I just wanted to say a couple of words about what you're going to hear in the feed today. My friend Sarah and I have been working on a brand new podcast called Novel Pairings, where we hope to make the classics readable, relevant, and fun. We're both nerdy English teachers and we love talking about literature, but we don't always love getting stuck in classic lit. We're going to talk a lot about what classics are, what we think it means to be a classic piece of literature, and we're going to give recommendations for contemporary books that match classic lit, just to bring the classics up to date a little bit. So I really hope that you enjoy this preview episode. I first approached Curtis when Sarah and I started talking about doing a podcast together, and I asked him, Curtis, are you going to feel like I'm podcast cheating on you a little bit if I start a new project? And without hesitating or even blinking, Curtis said, Chelsea, I knew you would do a different project. You're really good at this, and I never thought that Here at She Read would be it for you. Isn't that sweet? (laughs) I had to share that little sweet tidbit um, just to, you know, assuage any worries that you had about me ditching Curtis. I'm not ditching him. We're still doing He Read, She Read. This is just another passion project that I'm really excited about, and Curtis is such a great cheerleader. So without further ado, here is Novel Pairings. Welcome to Novel Pairings, a podcast dedicated to making the classics readable, relevant, and fun. Each episode, we'll discuss one classic book and share some recommendations for more contemporary reads that feature similar themes. As two nerdy bookworms, we appreciate the role of classic lit, but we won't get too academic about it. We'll talk about the books we love and the books we loathe, and help stock your TBR pile with old and new reads for every literary taste. Hey, Chelsea! Hi, Sarah. I'm so excited to chat with you today. I know. I'm so glad we're finally doing this. Yes, this has been in the works for a while. It has. Super excited for this new podcast. Me too. Uh, we should probably introduce ourselves yeah, seems, <laughs> to everybody. That seems like a good way to start. Um, I'm Sarah, and I am an English teacher living in Denver, Colorado with my husband and my Labradoodle puppy, Bingley. I teach high school English currently at an all-girls school, which is super fun and always a little bit wild. Um, And I also share all of my reading on Bookstagram at Fiction Matters. How about you, Chelsea? So very similar story on my end. I'm Chelsea. I'm an adjunct instructor and freelance writer in northern New York, and I live with my husband, who is in the Army, and also our dog, Penny. Uh, She's a Wheaton Terrier and super fluffy. (laughs) And I also post what I'm reading on Bookstagram at Chelsea Reads, so I post book reviews there, and that's actually how we first met each other. It is. I was actually looking back at some of our first chats on Instagram. Oh, really? Yes, and you were encouraging me to include Homegoing by Yah Jesse in my African-American lit class, which I did, and it went so well. And we've been talking about teaching and the canon and books ever since. Oh, I love that. I do not remember that at all, but it makes me so happy. (laughs) Yes. 
I'm sure it will come up eventually on the podcast. Uh, so let's do a little backstory on how we went from teachers talking about books on Instagram to podcasters talking about books for a bigger audience here. Yes. So we had been chatting about wanting to do something with the classics for other readers beyond just our own chats. And knowing that there are a lot of readers out there who want to read more classics or want to know more about the classics and maybe don't know where to start or just aren't sure how to approach them. Um, So we talked about doing a podcast all about the classics and really diving deep into one book at a time. And we liked that idea, but we had some issues with it. (laughs) It was exciting at first until we realized, oh, these are all books that we have to then read and research and talk about. And we don't even like all of them. Exactly. It felt like we were assigning ourselves homework. And as teachers, we already have enough of that. Plenty, yes. (laughs) So we're figuring out a way to bring in more contemporary books or lesser known books and still get a chance to chat about the classics. And it was also really important to us to see a lot of diversity in the books that we talk about for the podcast. So in terms of genre and author, perspective, even time period. Um, So we came up with something a little bit different. I love, well, you came up with this pairing idea and I love it. Um, But I think it totally reflects the way, definitely the way that you teach um, and reflects our teaching styles and the way that we view literature. So I'm, I'm really excited about the format that we have. Absolutely. Me too. Um, Let's chat a little bit about the format. Yes. So uh, here's what listeners can expect from us. Uh, We'll post bi-weekly episodes, so we're planning on releasing episodes on the first Tuesday of the month and the third Tuesday of the month, but we might have some bonus episodes in there, so stay tuned for a little bit of extra, and each episode is going to center around a classic, but the episode isn't just a deep dive into that classic. You don't have to have read the book. Uh, You could have, or you could want to, but uh, we'll give a little bit of information on our experiences, either reading or teaching the books, and then historical and author background. So we'll do some good, like, groundwork on the classics, but uh, then what else? What's the pairing part, The pairing part is, I think, what we're both most excited about. So with each classic, we'll kind of unpack some of the important themes that we think are still relevant today. And then for our pairings, we'll each offer three books that have similar themes or topics or settings, or maybe even just the same genre as our classic book that we think you'd enjoy reading in addition to, or maybe even instead of the classic. So these books won't necessarily be literary fiction or something we teach, They could be, but they don't have to be. We want them to offer a lot more variety in uh, author voice and genre and um, tone, I guess. Yeah, definitely. I would love to share a little example 
yes. so that people can see like what exactly this is going to look like. So let's just say that our classic, our featured classic is The Great Gatsby, which we'll definitely do at some point. Oh, absolutely. We have to. Uh, what would you pair with The Great Gatsby? Okay. So I would pair Passing by Nella Larson with The Great Gatsby. So this book is actually pretty contemporaneous to The Great Gatsby, and it's hopefully a classic we will also touch on, but it's much lesser known. It's certainly not taught in most schools. And goes so beautifully with Gatsby in so many ways. They both feature an unreliable narrator who is almost borderline obsessed with another figure in their life. Um, It explores that relationship as well as characters who are striving for more in their lives in a society that almost makes them become someone else to achieve what they want to achieve. How about you, Chelsea? I definitely want to do Passing. That description is so good. such a good book. (laughs) We have to do it. I would like to pair Rules of Civility by Amor Tolls with The Great Gatsby. This is one of my favorite books of all time. I haven't read it yet. Oh, you definitely have to. It's so good. I think you would love it. I will. So this takes place in the late 1930s, maybe early 1940s. So it's not the same era as Great Gatsby, but it still has the same feeling. Mm -hmm. It's that jazzy high society party kind of feel to it. And then a lot of deeper themes, compelling characters, sort of a coming of age character arc, which I think we see a little bit with the Great Gatsby. But really, it's just the feeling of that like glittery glam like a glamorous society that you just love reading the Gats- Great Gatsby for. So uh, Rules of Civility would be my pairing for that one. Okay, I, I definitely need to pick that one up soon. So we have talked with each other a bunch about how we define classic literature and what classics mean to us. But I think it's important that we share that with our listeners so they know how we're choosing our classics and how we define that term. So what's, what are some things that you think of, Chelsea, when you think of classic literature? My first thought is probably like most people's, and I go straight to what I read in school. And I think that's the typical answer is like what would be on a high school or a college literature curriculum. And to some extent, a lot of our titles will come from that place just because of our backgrounds and experiences with that. But uh, I like to kind of branch out from that. And to me, a classic is a book that is socially and culturally resonant. So it speaks to the time that it was written in. And another thing that really says classic to me is a book that you can reread a hundred times and learn something new every single time. There's always that rediscovery piece when you pick it up and read it. So that's part of what I think of classics. What else would you like to add to that? Absolutely. I love what you said about rereading and rediscovery. I, I think classics leave room for multiple and sometimes contradictory interpretations. Um, Each reader can take something different away from it. Um, I also think that 
for me, there has to be something special or striking about the prose itself. I worry that people are going to hear that and think lots of flowery language, but that's not necessarily what I mean. It's more that the author is really using language in a special way. Yeah, I can agree with that for sure. I I don't love super flowery language. I agree. That's, that's probably something we'll come back to a lot as yes. we read these books. But um, I do agree that usually you'll see some really powerful literary devices being used. There's some sense of metaphor or really descriptive language. There's something that you can dissect at the word level. Right. The author's using language with a purpose. It doesn't necessarily have to be poetic in any way, but it's purposeful and powerful was a great word. Yeah, that's a great way to put it. I also think that it should connect to sort of universal themes of human nature. That's such an English teacher thing to say. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, I'm pretty sure I gave that lesson yesterday. (laughs) Yep. (laughs) But there should be a wider theme or something that sort of connects to a bigger part of the world and part of the human experience that we can draw from. I 100% agree. Um, Yeah, classics offer something that strikes at like what makes us human. Um, And I think that's part of why we're able to reread and rediscover is as we change and return to the same classics, different aspects of uh, the humanity of the book might strike us in different ways. Definitely. So this is all a quite broad definition of classics that we've got going here. It is. Uh, I'm hoping that we hear from some listeners about what they think classics are and we can sort of have a bigger conversation about it because I think there's a lot more to be said. 100%. I think this is something we'll return to again and again. But I think we both want to emphasize that even though we maybe think that classics need to have some staying power, they don't have to be centuries old. We're going to be talking about plenty of modern classics in our episodes as well. What would you call modern classic? My mind goes to like the 80s and 90s. I think so. I think if we're still reading and talking about a book 20 or 30 years later, I would consider that a modern classic. And I I think that there are contemporary books that have been published in the last five to 10 years that you read and you think, oh, this is going to be a classic. People are still going to be talking about this, rereading it a decade from now. Hopefully Homegoing is one of those. I hope so. I think it will be. (laughs) So Sarah, I would love to know what this looks like just in your general daily life. When you pick up a classic, what does it look like in your reading life, interacting with classic literature? So if I'm not reading the book to teach it, because I think reading it for myself and reading it to teach look very different. Um, If I'm reading it for myself, I usually like to go in fairly blind. I know this is actually quite different than how you read classics, so that'll be fun to talk about. And I like to read it the first time for the story. Um, 
I think my English teacher training kicks in and I still tend to look for patterns in the language or motifs that are prominent throughout the book. Um, But I try to think more about characters and story as I'm reading a classic for the first time. I do annotate and I use book darts. I mark passages that I think will somehow be significant. And then after I read, I read lots and lots of critical commentary. I actually do that for my contemporary books that I read too. I love knowing what other people think about this book, what they thought was important, what they liked or what they hated. Um, With classics, I find that particularly fun because you can read about what critics thought when the book first was published and you can read what people think about it now, which I love. How about so you? Nerdy. So nerdy. So nerdy. I know. But I love it. <laughs> I can't help it. <laughs> I was thinking about this, and truly, for the last me at least fifteen years, I have either been reading classics as a student or a teacher. Yeah. Primarily, so now over the last year and currently, I'm trying to pick them up more just for myself for pure enjoyment, but also to keep my analysis skills sharp. Part of what I really like about a classic is the puzzle of it, of getting to do that literary analysis piece and reading it and sort of dissecting the language. My brain really likes that stuff. So typically, if I pick up a classic, I actually like to read a thorough summary before I start reading. So pretty much the opposite of what you do. (laughs) I love that. Uh, Especially if it was written before, let's say, 1920, maybe before 1900, if the language is going to be more dated and less familiar, and it's going to take me a couple pages to get into the language, that way I have the story in my head so I can track the characters and focus on the language while the story is sort of already a part of me. So that's sense. Yeah. So that's typically what I do. Audiobooks are a big help for me with classics too. And then especially if I read it on audiobook, I like to have the summary because then if I sort of tune out accidentally for a second, uh, I can pick up. (laughs) Yeah. I have been loving um, doing classics on audiobooks as well. And I particularly love rereading classics I already love on audiobook because hearing a professional narrator and what they emphasize and the tone of voice they use, it helps me discover something new about books that I already love. I could listen to Rosamund Pike read Pride and Prejudice every day and never get sick of it. I 100% agree. I think she needs to do every Austen novel. I think she did Sense and Sensibility recently, and I haven't listened to that one yet. She did, and it's wonderful. And Sense and Sensibility was one of my I mean, I love every Austin book, don't get me wrong, but it was lower on my list of Austin favorites. And I think she might have changed that. I loved the way she enhanced the characters for me. Okay, I definitely need to pick that up then. Yes, you do. So let's get into some fun stuff. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> let's talk a little bit about, let's just go to the assigned reading because it's inevitable. This is where. I'm guessing a lot of our listeners' minds are going when they think classics. They're thinking about, hmm, what are the classics that I read in high school and loved or hated? Yes. So are there any classic books that you read in high school and hated? Or were you like me, and if you didn't want to read it, you just 
didn't bother, looked at the spark notes, and then wrote a paper on it anyway. Chelsea, I was exactly like you. <laughs> um, I. It's very ironic that here we are now, both with graduate degrees in English and teaching English. I think it gives us a lot of empathy for our students, though, um, and what they might want to read and not want to read. Um, but yeah, I skipped a lot of books. I skipped... Um, the Portrait of the Artist as a Young Man by James Joyce. I skipped Tess of the D'Urbervilles in high school, although now I actually really like Thomas Hardy, which I think just shows that some books are not right for teenage readers, but that still means they're great books. Um, one book I did read and absolutely hated was On the Road by Jack Kerouac. I thoroughly enjoyed hate reading it, though. So we'll see if maybe that's one we come back to later. When I think about who enjoys that book, I think hipster dude with a mustache and a <laughs> jean jacket riding his bike. Okay, I'll be honest. I think that I hated the book because I hated the people who loved the book. <laughs> <laughs> and I just wanted to shake them and say, you're reading this book wrong. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> how about you what are some books you skipped or hated i was assigned the last of the mohicans by james fenimore cooper as summer reading freshman year of high school oh i think it was just my teacher's favorite okay thankfully we didn't do that much with it like he talked about it a little bit the first few days of high school and then we just moved on to other stuff in that era but I skipped it. I was so bored out of my mind. Yeah, I've never tried that one. I, I have strong feelings about summer reading as a practice, which maybe we can discuss off mic. <laughs> or maybe a bonus episode. That might be fun to do. <laughs> For sure. Uh, I skipped around with Moby Dick. Uh, never ended up reading the whole entire book. Probably never will. Same on my end. And I, I've just never had the desire. I was never assigned William Faulkner, and I don't have any desire to pick up any of his books. And I love William Faulkner, so <laughs> <laughs> we uh, we can discuss at a later date if we want to put a Faulkner book as one of our classics. Maybe. Uh I think it'd be great. Maybe you can convince me, or maybe I'll read the first few pages and give up on it, and I think we'd still have just as much to talk about. I think so. That would be really fun. And how about some books you loved? I loved Shakespeare, all of it, even as a 14-year-old. Oh, that's awesome. Which ones did you read in high school? Oh, let's see. Romeo and Juliet, Hamlet, Julius Caesar, Much Ado About Nothing, Twelfth Night... And I think there was one or two more. So quite a bit, actually. Yeah, that's that's a lot of Shakespeare. Yeah. What about you? Um, in terms of Shakespeare I read in high school, I think it was just Romeo and Juliet, Macbeth, and Hamlet. This year I taught Twelfth Night, though, and I absolutely loved teaching that. I think that's a great Shakespeare play for high schoolers. I agree. It's so fun. And it's... I think it's thoroughly modern. It is. There's so much to talk about. Definitely on our list of episodes. <laughs> yes, it is. 
I also really loved all of Langston Hughes' poetry and a lot of his work. More of that I was assigned in college rather than high school. I have to say my high school reading assignments, it was pretty much all white authors. So I uh, did a lot to change that as a teacher in my own classroom, but it's, it's still really common to see in the classrooms. Absolutely. That was my experience in high school as well. And um, as a teacher, every year, I think our curriculum gets a little bit better in terms of diversity, but it's still um, it's still kind of an uphill battle in terms of making sure that our book lists are balanced and represent the students we're teaching. Definitely. I'm, I think that's going to come up in conversation a lot as we do this podcast. Mm-hmm. But uh, the other book that I read in high school and loved was Emma by Jane Austen, which is going to be our first classics episode. And I'm so excited about that. I am so excited. I didn't read Emma as a signed reading until grad school, but I had, I think I read it for the first time in high school and it's one of my favorite books of all time. So I can't wait to talk to you more about it. What were some of your favorite assigned reads? So I mentioned I love Faulkner and uh, the Faulkner I was assigned in high school was As I Lay Dying, which I loved at the time. It's just so weird and different from anything else I'd read before. Um, I love everything I've been assigned by Wolf. A Room of One's Own was the first Wolf I read. And this, again, this was in college. As you mentioned, I think most of the assigned reading I loved was in college rather than high school. I read and loved Their Eyes Were Watching God by Zora Neale Hurston. That's one I haven't revisited since early college, so I would love to do an episode on that. And then I also am a huge fan of The Awakening by Kate Chopin, and that is going to be episode number two for us. I loved that one in high school too. So good. So wonderful. I'm excited to revisit it. Um, Hurston, so I don't know if I've ever read Their Eyes Were Watching God in its entirety, but I love her short stories. She's a fabulous writer. Um, And just her images throughout Their Eyes Were Watching God, the way she describes nature, it still sticks with me. I'm excited to add that one to the list for sure. So uh, we've kind of already previewed our first two titles, but should we talk a little bit more about what we've got planned for our spring season? Yeah. So as mentioned, our first episode will be Emma by Jane Austen. And episode number two will be The Awakening by Kate Chopin. I'm so excited for both of those. Me too. So fun. Um, Then we'll read The Remains of the Day by Kazuo Ishiguro, Romeo and Juliet by William Shakespeare, The Joy Luck Club by Amy Tan, and then Beloved by Toni Morrison, which is my favorite book to teach, and I am so excited to talk about it. I'm really excited for all of these. I have read all of them except for Beloved, which I'm really embarrassed to say because I know that Toni Morrison is such an icon and I I have a bunch of her books on my shelf. I just have never read Beloved. It's a fabulous book. It's it's one of the best books I've ever read and I hope the two Chelsea when oh you do read it. I can't imagine that I won't, but I'm very excited to dive into that one. 
and just super excited to talk about all of these and to figure out which books to pair with them. Yes, that is going to be really exciting. I, My mind is always thinking about this. I'll be in the middle of a lesson and be like, oh, that'll be perfect for Romeo and Juliet. Love it. So before we end for today, Chelsea, do you want to share with our listeners what you're reading now? Sure. So I just downloaded Little Weirds by Jenny Slate on audio. Ooh. I really like her. I have not read that one. Yeah, I really like her. Uh, I enjoyed her comedy special, which was very different from a lot of the other Netflix comedy specials. It was – she's got this really – sincere I don't know how to explain her she's she is a little weird (laughs) (laughs) yeah I think she she explained it perfectly in her title yeah so it's kind of a collection of essay short story little snippets of her thoughts so I I like it so far I'm excited to listen more to her narration but that's what I've picked up what about you Sarah I just finished I Am Not Your Perfect Mexican Daughter by Erica Sanchez. I loved it and am already thinking about what classics I might be able to pair it with. It's a great, really earnest and beautiful YA novel. Since I finished that, I picked out Burnout by Emily and Amelia Nagoski. It's about the stress cycle in women in particular. And there's a lot in it about teachers and stress, which makes me feel very seen. And it's giving me a lot of great tactics for dealing with my stress, which I really appreciate this time of year. Gosh, I bet. I have been meaning to pick that one up. So I'm going to be really curious to hear your thoughts on it. Yeah, I'm only in the first chapter. Um, And It's not too long, but sometimes with nonfiction, I feel like it gets a bit repetitive. So we'll see how this one goes. Definitely. Uh, I just finished Atomic Habits by James Clear and really loved it. Got a lot out of it, but I find that with nonfiction, I skim a ton. Oh, absolutely. I think I read that book in like two hours just because I was was like, (laughs) I don't care about your background story. I just want to know what you're going to tell me to do. Yes. <laughs> and this one is great. One of the things I love in Burnout is at the end of each chapter, they have a section called TLDR, Too Long, Didn't Read, and they just give you the bullet point version of the whole chapter. So it, they they make it very skimmable. They know their readers, which is awesome. Love it. All right. I think that that is all we have to chat about today. A lot of the stuff that we talked about is going to come up in each episode of the podcast. And I'm really excited to chat more about classics with you, Sarah. Me too. This has been so fun and we've hardly even gotten to talk about books yet. I'm really excited. For more classic lit enthusiasm and podcast news, you can follow us on Instagram and Twitter at Novel Pairings Pod. We'd love to know whether you pick up any of the books that we mentioned today or that we have coming up on the podcast, so feel free to tag us if you post on Instagram. Tell your friends about the Novel Pairings podcast by writing a review on Apple Podcasts or sharing our most recent episode on social media. We declare, after all, there is no enjoyment like reading. How soon one tires of anything than a book. 
will be back soon with an episode on Emma.